0: Joining me now, our good friend, master gardener, Barb Lampson. Barb, it's good to see you again. And it's still snowy and spring is in, I think something like 19 days. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I say 19 days, but that doesn't mean that the snow is gonna be gone. <laughs>
1: no, no. But it, it's, it's good to be here and it's good to be thinking about gardening. And I have noticed in the grocery stores that we are getting fresh produce that's uh, grown in the south.
0: Their growing season starts much earlier than ours. It
1: does because they have to wait to grow these cool crops when their heat diminishes somewhat starting in November. And on Wednesday nights at our church, we have a free meal and we serve People that come for church Mm -hmm. and people that bring the kids for Sunday school. So we serve lots of different people, and we try to give them good, healthy food. And what I have noticed, because I'm on the food line giving out food, the kids love peas. And they like them raw, and they like the sugar snap, the ones where you're eating the whole
0: pod. Oh, so not just the little peas themselves. Because I would think that they would like the little peas, you know, as they come out of the pod. But you're talking the ones actually the whole Right, right, right. My husband's favorite. That's the only kind I plant anymore, Barb, because my husband says... I don't want those other ones that come in the shell, I want the whole pea, so. Well,
1: you know, uh, last year in summer school, that's what we grew, even though we got started late with our crop. But, uh, and, the, and the kids there loved them too. And these were uh, sixth graders going into seventh grade and seventh graders going into eighth grade. And they just just picked them right off those plants and just ate them like, like they were candy. But you know, peas are interesting because there are different types and you should know what you're going to do what you want and where you're going to put them and whether you're going to trellis them. And so I ordered three new peas this year. And new varieties to you or yes. Okay. New varieties. When I went into my seed catalog, there just are so many and I get kind of taken away by the sweetest most amazing and right so I am going to grow some of these snow peas and I'm going to get grow one variety of them there's now, one, the snow peas are the ones you eat the whole pea right yes you do and okay. this one is mammoth melting sugar oh <laughs> that anything mel- that says
0: sugar must be good <laughs>
1: yeah that's right. It's, it's a longer growing one. It's 70 days, which, you know, I, I'll need to get this in really early. But then I found another one, which I'm going to try too. And this one is Patio Pride. And it's a smaller pea. You eat the whole thing again. And you can grow these just in a
0: container. Where did you see it? Where are you getting those from? Because I actually think I might have ordered those too. Is it for which catalog? This is Jung. Oh, And they are 12 to
1: 18 inches tall, and you'll get these great peas on. So I was talking to my son last night in Alaska, and he said he grew those too, and he grew them in containers, and he said it works just really, really great. So you could start those, get those started uh, in the container, in the house, or if you've got a greenhouse or someplace like that, then... As it warms up, because they will take some, they will take the cold temperature. Right. Now, if it freezes, you're going to have to move them back in again, though. But this particular one uh, is only forty days from the. Well, oh, that's quick. Plant. That's almost a, like a radish, Yeah, to. it is. It is. Wow. And so they say this is the first pea you should plant in the spring, and the last one you should plant in the fall. It's called patio. This, this is say that, say this is patio pride. Ooh. So think about that. And then I ordered another, and that one is called Early Perfection, 66 Days. And that is the, the snapping type pea where you take it out of its shell. And I have had really... Good luck with peas, and I have had enough peas, and this is up at Good Council where I grow them where they get lots of good air circulation, and I can rotate them. Peas, you never grow in the same spot, you know, two years in a row you have to keep rotating. The
0: great thing about them is is when you have a crop like peas, they're legumes, so they actually inject... A nitrogen. When when yes. you can, you know, just I just put them back in the soil, and they'll put nitrogen in there for something else you're going to plant. So they're really uh, good for following uh, plants.
1: They're they're excellent, and because they are so excellent with putting in this nitrogen, but you have to leave the root. In the ground. So what you do is don't pull out the vine when it looks like it's dead. Take a pruning shears, cut it off at the base, and leave, Just leave that the root in the ground because the nitrogen is in those nodules in this along the root itself. And then you plant. Now this is we're going to talk about this later on, but companion planting. So something that works really well with these early peas are to plant tomatoes in with them because if you've got something that's going to be done in 44
0: days... And it provides nitrogen in the soil. Yeah, and
1: it sticks the nitrogen there, and and that's a great companion plant. And as the tomato plant gets bigger, it's going to shade the pea vine, and it's going to benefit from that
0: too as well. And that's what I do in, in my square foot garden is I'll figure out what will be a good companion and that the peas will be done, like you said, in a short amount of time and then something next to it will be able to like shade it because they like it a little cooler. Really, in the middle of summer, when it gets too hot, peas just don't do well. So they're going to be done, essentially. And so then your other ones can kind of take over that space. And sometimes you can get, you know, when
1: they're they're growing on the vine and they look great and you think, are they ready? Are they ready? Yeah. Or should we wait a little bit longer? Well, with the shelling peas, you don't ever want to let that shell start losing its gloss and starting looking white. That means they're too old. They're losing yeah, their they're sugar not content. Very,
0: they're they're, not so, they're and, kind of tougher. Yeah, too.
1: They are. They aren't good. So you, when they're glossy and green like that, Just say, yep, this is the day I'm going to pick them. So, And then find yourself a nice shady spot out in your yard and sit and shell them and eat them. And another thing I like about this catalog that I have, it tells you how you can use them or if they're good, if they freeze well. So get something you can you can do a great big crop of and freeze some of those peas. Man, that's really great in the winter.
0: Now, the one my husband likes <clears> and the one <throat> we plant every year is the Oregon Sugar Pod 2 Snow Pea. And that is specifically bred for disease resistance. It has small vines that grow 24 to 30 inches tall. Now, I have put stakes around them, but they don't even need staking. Even at that height, they just kind of stand straight up and these are very tender pods that cook up sweet and crunchy, and they freeze well, too, with no loss of color or flavor. They are resistant to the mosaic virus, the powdery mildew, and wilt. And they are 68 days, so they're a little longer, but, you know, really, they're nice. And then I don't have to have all those because right. some peas you need trellises, which I put by them, but they, I found they didn't really need them.
1: Yeah, you know, and uh, something that a lot of people don't know, peas grow and get their pods from the bottom. So when you start looking for them look uh-huh. at the bottom of the plant don't look at the top so they're going to be flowering in that up there And then
0: you keep picking and then you keep getting more right. and more right and,
1: and and when you think of companion planting always Think about pollinators that come to your garden. And so, one thing that'll draw them in is you've got some early flowers. Even if you've got spring flowers mixed, bulbs mixed in there, you'll get some blooms, and that'll bring those pollinators in too. We always want to get things pollinated.
0: Right. And I also plant what I call combatant. Uh, plants, that, sure. well, some of them that will repel bad yeah. insects or, or, or bunnies or things like that. It do, They don't always work, but uh, sometimes they help. Uh, so like marigolds are one, and they'll attract some good pollinators, but some other...
1: Yeah, b- and that's such a great idea. I mean, that's so easy to do, too. You know, another thing about the peas, in my garden, because we get good air circulation up there, I do put up a wire a trellis, mm-hmm. which is pounded in with stakes so because we have wind oh, yes. so that it won't blow over and I plant on both sides of that wire mm-hmm. so I do a double row and that does really fine now as these plants are going up, especially the ones that are bigger with the bigger pods that maybe have eight or ten uh, peas in them, they get wider. So you want to be sure that you know the space that you're going to need. So you leave plenty of space before you start planting something else.
0: Right, and that's that goes in with the part we're going to be doing is planning our gardens too. Because yes. you know a lot of times, and we've I've talked with Harvey about this. You see those little tomato plants, and and you, they're so small, and you say, well, I'd only need about a, what a foot between these. And I think Harvey puts five or six feet between his because they get so big. Yes. And that is true. Read what it says. You can't hardly believe they're going to get that big, but they will. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And then the other thing is it's so easy when you
0: get seeds like this that you want to plant the whole packet. And oh, at one I time, always used to do that plant because th- <laughs> I didn't want them to go to waste. In the farm, we could do that because I could have a 100-foot row of carrots. But now I've got my little small garden, so... Right. Share seeds with people.
1: Yes, and the other thing is to stagger the times that you plant something so you don't have everything coming in at the same time. So if you've got peas, the first week plant a few feet and then wait a week or 10 days and plant more, and then... Uh, if you still got enough room, plant the rest of them on that third week. And then save the rest for in the fall. And after August, then you can start thinking, after you get rid of that heat, start thinking about starting that fall crop.
0: Especially if you have something like the 30- or 40-day peas that you mentioned. I mean, you could get an, a couple nice crops in you the fall. Sure could. And I think I might try those. Patio pride, Okay, yes. I'm going to check yeah. that one out because I really love peas, but you know the 68 day ones probably wouldn't make it in the fall so and and what they're saying is their big thing is make this your first
1: spring crop and your last fall crop. Sounds good to me. Yeah, it sounds good to me too. I'd love to get out and do that. You know, a lot of people think about the the inoculant that you can buy that you put on, you dust the seeds with, and they will then root up better and and grow better. But if you have good soil,
0: you probably don't need that. No, and you know, I sometimes will soak the the pea seeds before I actually plant them because it gets them a little softer. I take a water
1: bottle, one of these throwaway plastic bottles, And I put a little bit of water in the bottom, and then I put the seeds in there. Okay. And I'll do that the night before. You do? I put the lid on, and then the next day I'll go out and I'll plant. And you can already see where the shell itself is. Th- starting that's, to split. It, it, yes, it's softening up. And then that wonderful little life comes out of that plant. It's such a
0: miracle to see that happen. And after you plant them, you should keep them damp until they do come up. Otherwise, yep. a seed, they're so tiny, even if there is something starting to come up, if you let that dry out, it's probably going to die. So oh, sure. that's one of the key things is to make sure you keep them watered. You know, you don't want to soak them, but you want to make sure that they're moist so they can... Yeah, and when you do
1: water, especially with seeds, you want to have a fine mist, a really nice fine mist. For the little seeds, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so then, besides being excited about peas, and I can almost imagine eating them (laughs) and sitting under my flowering crab and shelling them, I think that's so great. I also have fallen in love with daylilies, and we talked about them
0: just a little bit last week. We did, and I actually talked to the owner of the Springwood Springwood Gardens up in Jordan because she is a breeder of daylilies. They've got th- some 3,500- Yes. Uh, plants, and I actually sent her a note because my son Grant is interested in breeding lilies, and I asked if we could go up there and tour. And she says, "Well, right now all there is to see is she says I'm weeding, so she's right. got all these greenhouses full yes. of these lilies, day yes. lilies, and she had said mentioned that in April we might want to come because that's when she's going to be doing some hybridizing.
1: Yes, I, and I think that's really great. I have been there. And it is just, it's a beautiful place. The home is this beautiful old brick mansion. It's so lovely. The statuary is just just outstanding. But what she has done, her first name is Carol. She is also uh, one of the officers of the Minnesota Daylily Society. And she's very, very active with them. Do you
0: belong to that too, Barb? I do now, because oh. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I know you got me involved, and now I'm a, a member of the Hosta Society, Minnesota Hosta Society, and I, I'm not a member of the Daylily Society
1: yet, probably. <laughs> but we have to be, because here's <laughs> the thing: uh, they do they do lots of things. Well, first of all, let me say this: dues are five dollars a year. Oh. So I sent off a check for $15 for three years. Wow. Yes, I don't want to be bothered with forgetting to renew my membership. They have regular meetings. They meet up at uh, Bachman's, the same place as the hosta society people do some of the time. And they have plant sales, and their members donate plants. And if you help with repotting and things like that, and getting ready for the sale, they give you credit to buy some of those more plants. Yeah, (laughs) those wonderful (laughs) daylilies that we love so much. And some at uh, Springwood, uh, this new introduction she had was was it two hundred or was it two hundred dollars? Was it two hundred? Yes, it was so outrageous. I mean, of course, that's for the amount of work and everything. Anything new, you know, you get the the new
0: iPhone and it's ridiculous, and then in a few years it goes down in price, right? Right, but so. So, uh, consider joining them.
1: And what they do is now this Saturday, they're meeting. I believe it's two o'clock in the afternoon. But you check the Minnesota Hosta Society and you will see when they're meeting what the time is. But it is Saturday and it is at Bachman's. And they are talking about hybridizing. W- so, when is this? <laughs> this Saturday. Oh, this Saturday. Yes, yes, exactly. So when we're supposed to have bad weather again, Yeah, I think. that's kind of bummed so, about that. Yeah. But this is one of the things and one of the ways to learn. You go to a class like this that's done by, you know, a renowned person they bring in that's a hybridizer. What would you have to pay if you went to a class like that? And it's free. I mean, that's, it's, can't go and wrong. they always invite the public to come in as well, too. So just really gorgeous colors. I will have to say, The daylilies that I ordered are all tetraploids, and they're different because I got one for each season that we have in the summer, which is early summer midsummer, and then late summer. Meaning when they bloom. Yes, and this is so that you, the idea is you could have a continuous bloom. Continuous color, that's Yes, yes, so I can see lots and lots of grass coming out if I'm going to have continuous color. They do best in the sun. They will tolerate some shade, but they really do do best in the sun. You know,
0: I've had daylilies on my hillside, which is quite a bit of shade and they all bloom, but they just don't have very many, so it's really disappointing. So yes. if you're going to do it, do it right. Put them in the sun.
1: Yeah, or you'll be disappointed, really. And the other thing that is really kind of amazing about the daylilies now is some of them are rebloomers. These tetraploids, mm-hmm. and so one of my tetraploids. Is a rebloomer, and I'm just going to evaluate that and see how well that does. If it reblooms and it's just barely makes a difference, then that's not really worth
0: it. Right, because some things rebloom, like they've got the reblooming lilacs example, and the next, the second blooms are just kind of not really very uh, magnificent. They're just sort of eh.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And then the flowers on these tetraploids, some of them are as much as six inches across. They might be doubles. and, And then... The ruffling that they have, and this, when you see this little crimpy ruffling on the outside edge, and that will be a different color, it's called Picotty. And that is like an artist would have taken his brush, and just, dro- just went on the outside of the picture, and just highlighted, and it just makes the whole thing
0: stand out. Now, ha- have you seen that one? It's it's all, it's pure white, like as white as snow. Um, it's called eyeliner, and it basically it's all white, and it's got just this fine black line on the outside, like you would take when you were drawing, and coloring, and coloring on the the borders. And it just is so fine, you can't believe that nature can do something like that.
1: I know, it's and, beautiful. And you think what is involved when you think of daylilies? You think of that orange daylily that we saw Right, in the ditches. grandma's traditional. Yeah, and everybody had those and they were great during the Dust Bowl era to hold the soil in place mm-hmm. and you know if you ever planted them anyplace, it's really a problem to dig them out because they just get massive roots on them. But you know in
0: ditch, roadsides, ditches, they perfect. were fine. Yeah, held yeah. the erosion at bay. And,
1: and I'm sure the pollinators liked them and it was something to see you know, when you're driving along. It was great to see that orange color there. When you think of starting out with something like that, and then Carol, with her 3,500 introductions that yes. she's made, her crosses, and she does all those crosses in her greenhouse. In Jordan, she, Minnesota. Right, and they're all growing there in the soil, in the greenhouses. And she just, she loves that. She just, she loves absolutely doing that. And just think of the record keeping you'd have to have oh my to goodness. keep track of all these crosses and what to get this, a white daylily with a, a black edge. I mean, just. Where do you go for that? Where do do you start?
0: I noticed a lot of her selections because I looked on the site. She is really into ruffles. She has a lot of the daylilies with ruffles. Just ruffles, ruffles, ruffles. And it gives them just a new texture, a nice texture, which is important in, in the garden.
1: Yes. Well, now, the ones that I'm ordering... Are not from there, but not the two hundred dollar one? <laughs> no, and but they are. They also get awards by the mm-hmm. by the society, and the three that I ordered all have something that's really significant about them. One of them has received four awards. One of them is an award of merit. You know, so this is something that is worthy of your peers saying, this is really good, you did it, you know, this is really yeah. great.
0: So pay attention to that. So I want to say my favorite is the, it's a rebloomer. it's buttered popcorn, which is in my yard, and it is just the brightest yellow, and it's just like sunshine in my yard for a long time during the summer months, and I brought them to the fair and won awards at the fair with them as well, and they're just Gorgeous! so that 's one of my favorites is buttered popcorn
1: well, and I love that one too that is shows so showy in your
0: yard okay. but but yeah, so so and, and you know that's the thing I love to grow sometimes is the award winners that the showy ones. I figure if i 'm going to use a space, I want it to be wow,
1: yes, you know one thing one more thing that I learned was also some of these day lilies are Grown for the fact that they bloom, start blooming later in the day. Some oh. of them are grown so they'll start blooming earlier in the day, but so it, morning
0: and evening kind of, flowers? yeah, yeah,
1: they have. And I had never thought about that before. If you they start blooming later in the day, then you, uh, you're gonna maybe. They're going to be in bloom when these other things are blooming, and they're going to make a bigger statement. I don't know, but I thought that was that was quite an interesting thing, too. And the other thing is, I love daylilies because the slugs don't bother them.
0: Right, and that is a benefit. Now, my daylilies have been in the ground probably for about five years now. I notice they're getting kind of thick, so... This spring I should probably thin them out. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And But I always wonder how much to because I mean the, there's a giant clump, you know, and it just keeps kind of getting bigger. And so I, I wonder if how much I should take and do I have to take them out and like separate the big clump or what well, do you You know when you get them? Yeah. When when you get when you get your new ones, yeah. you would
1: just probably get Two the green coming up from the top, there'll be two they're pieces like fans. of those. They, they look they come like in little fans. Yeah, and that's yeah. what you'll get. Right. And so you know they'll and, say a lot of times won't bloom the first year, but right. the second year. So I wouldn't be afraid of separating,
0: doing quite a bit of separating because they're slowing down a little bit in terms of their blooms, and I think it's because they're getting a little I think so compacted too, right? in there. And
1: then when you have them out, then improve the soil. You know, put in a lot of compost and Do and, you
0: dig them all the way out like? The whole plant? And would you put them back in?
1: You know, I don't think I would. I think I would leave one there and then I'd I'd improve the soil and put in some smaller ones. I think the most important thing is that uh, do it early do it really Before early. they start
0: yeah, really coming along. A- yeah,
1: right. A- anything that we're going to transplant, unless it blooms right away in the spring, then you wouldn't want to dig it. You'd want to wait and do that in the fall. But, but lilies are ones that
0: you can. Yeah,
1: you can, exactly. I transferred some over to my neighbor, and, and they just they really took really, to the soil well. Yeah, yeah, they did. Another thing that I was doing this this week was uh, I did some repotting, and it's time now. If your house plants have gotten a little bit big, uh, getting too big for the pot, uh, find a pot, wash it, sterilize it really, really well, and get some new soil and, and get it in there. And just do one size bigger. That the yeah, Just
0: an inch or inch and a half. Or you don't want to go too big because otherwise it'll take all the, the time for the roots to fill that in and you won't get the growth on the top. And one of the things, you know, we all know that plants are really good air
1: purifiers. Yes. But I did read an article about house plants should never be planted in plastic pots because I read that too yeah plastic pots are off-gassing you know they're made from a petroleum product and you're going to be defeating your purpose so if you want to use your flowers because they're they're purifying the air for you're making it healthier then avoid the plastic pots yeah it's it's just that simple and then we had a question okay we've just got about a minute here. Okay, so I have to find the question, though. And it's about, they wanted to know about in the house, about temperatures. So nighttime temperatures, what, what should the temperature be? Well, they recommend between 60 to 65 degrees at night, and the daytime temperature should be 65 to 75 degrees. The humidity, 40 to 50 percent. So for the best, best, luck with your plants. That's what you should be doing. All right. Thanks, Barb. Always great to chat with you. Thank you.